Lord God, that uh, song proclaims your faithfulness, your goodness. Because of your faithfulness and your goodness, Lord, your promises are yes and amen. And because of your faithfulness, Lord, we can trust you. Lord, we see your faithfulness in the cross. We see your faithfulness in Jesus defeating death. Lord, help us to drop doubt, to drop worry. Help us, Lord, to trust in your faithfulness. Today, Lord, we pray and ask that you would speak to us through the preaching of your scriptures, that your scriptures would penetrate our heart and our mind and our soul. Lord, help us to trust you more. Help us to learn how to trust you more in this crazy world we live in. Father, we praise your name and say thank you for your promises. Thank you for your faithfulness. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Glad to have you with us this morning at Center Point. I want to encourage you, if you will, to use your bulletin. And your bulletin is a connection card. I ask you to take a moment and fill that out. Place that in the offering basket. Let me say to you, if you are a guest, maybe it's your first, second, third time with us, we're glad you're here with us today. I want to encourage you to pick up a guest gift on your way out. Just a simple way to say thank you for being here today. A couple uh, weeks ago, it was a bit, almost a month ago, my wife and I went on a cruise, and uh, we were flying out of Louisville. And some people told us to go ahead and fly the day ahead, and then get a hotel where you're going to cruise out of just in case you run any kind of trouble. And I said, we don't want to do that. It's just going to be so simple. We'll just jump in a plane, go to the boat, and then we'll fly back after we get off the boat. Well, we planned and got ahead of the game. We thought our flight was scheduled to leave on a Monday morning at 7.02 a.m. out of Louisville. We packed the night before, about midnight. We were finally getting in bed. But because I'm a planner and want to lower stress on me, I wanted to get up early. I wanted to be there early. So we set our alarm for 3.15 a.m. with the goal of leaving by 4 a.m. That would give us about an hour, hour and 10 minutes, get there by 5 or just a little bit after. And it would be easy sailing to get on the plane and then get on the boat. Well, things didn't go quite as planned. Set the alarm. Thought it was set for 3.15 a.m. And I woke up at 10 to 5. And we had an hour, 10-ish minute drive. I woke up, Brianna. Brianna, we're going to be late. We're going to miss the boat. What's going to happen? I checked my phone instead of 3.15 a.m. It was 3.15 p.m. And so we jump in a van about 10 after 5. Good thing we had our clothes already packed and ready to go. And it was one of those nights here just not long ago. We had one of those slushy, snowy nights where we got like four or five inches. And we go to pull out of the garage and went, oh my goodness, how are we going to get there with all this snow? Lo and behold, we get to I-64 and it's pretty clear. And Brandon's like, faster. I'm like, I'm not going faster. He's like, go faster. I said, I'm not going faster. And so we're flying down a highway. The whole time we're flying down a highway, I'm as nervous as all get out. Like, we are going to miss our plane, which means we're going to miss the boat. And people told me to go on Sunday, and I didn't want to go on Sunday. I want to pay the extra hotel bill. And so we're flying down a highway. And my plan was, because I wanted to save money, when we get to the airport, we're parking long-term parking. I didn't want to pay you all the extra money to park somewhere else. We pull in and we're like, where's long-term parking? She said, that says more than four hours. Go that way. Well, we ended up in a parking garage and we're on the second floor of the parking garage, luckily right near the elevator. But we pull in and it's about 6.20 and our plane is scheduled to leave at 7.02. 
620, we're still in the parking garage. We're rushing through the parking garage. We jump on the elevator, and some other guy gets on next to us. He says, how you doing? Well, we're doing okay, but we're kind of running late. Well, what time's your flight for? We said 702. He said, oh, you're really late. We said, yeah, we are. We said, we don't know this airport thing because we don't do a lot of traveling and flying. We said, we don't know where we're going. He said, all right, let me tell you. He said, as soon as you get off, this escal- as soon as you get off the elevator, I'm going to take the escalator. You want to go up this way, and you're going to go this way, and you're going to go that way. Check in your bags. You're going to go on down and hit the TSA. All right, we got that. So we go and check in our bags, and I'm standing there. By now, it's about 635, 637. I look at the guy. and I said, are we going to make our flight? He said, have a good flight. And I stepped again. I said, no, are we going to make it? He said, have a good flight. So he wasn't going to give me an answer one way or another. So we go on down to TSA, and we got our carry-ons with us. Brianna buzzes right on through the TSA, and lo and behold, they stop me. And they grab my bag, and they set it aside, and he's like, sir, we got to look in your bag. Now listen, as you stand right here, you're not allowed to touch your bag. Don't stick your hands in this bag. This is my bag right now. You're not allowed to touch it. I'm like, it is my bag. And he's unzipping the bag. I'm like, I am going to be so late. And then, you know, and then you're standing there like an idiot. Your shoes are untied. Your belt's undone because you've been scanned through. And you're like, can you just get my bag? He takes and gets in my bag, pulls out one thing. You know, he's in no hurry. He looks at it, pulls it. You know, he grabbed my peanuts and my M&Ms that were in a bag, you know, my mixed nuts. And he starts scanning it. Sticks the little whatever's on the end of that wand. I don't know what it does. Sticks it in some machine. And it runs through, and I think, oh, my goodness, inside I'm dying. At the same time, I'm praying, Lord, don't let us miss this flight. Don't let us miss this flight. He puts it back in and says, okay, you're good to go. Oh, great. You go running down there. My shoes are untied. My belt's undone. Trying to get down the, down the, down the corridor there. And we hear someone yelling, last call for Miami. We know there's two more people somewhere. That's us. Wait. As we get on down there, and we go on the plane, and lo and behold, you do the same thing. We went on a plane, and what do you do? You turn right. Every time you get on a plane, I've never been on a plane. You don't get on a plane and go left. We got on a plane. We went right. We sat down. Now, the thing I kind of just skipped over is when we got there, the lady's like, there's no room for any more luggage. We're checking your carry-ons. What? Yeah, don't worry about it. They'll be there. We sit down. I take a deep breath. We made it, Bri. Oh, no. She said, what? I said, our passports, all of our luggage tags, I stuck them all in my carry-on. I said, I surely hope that my bag makes it, because if not, I don't know what we're going to do. And so I'm nervous the whole flight was going to happen. Now, here's what we did not do. I did not go running on that airplane and say, hold on a minute, turn left, and say, excuse me, Mr. Pilot or Mrs. Pilot, can we have a conversation? They would look at me like I'm crazy. But I got some questions to ask. Did you get a good night's sleep last night? Like eight, nine hours? What about drinking? Have you been drinking lately? You've been smoking anything. What about your marriage? Is it okay? Have have you got your license? Do you know how to fly this thing? How many hours of flying do you have? What kind of experience do you have? I didn't get a chance to talk to them, and neither have you. You ever been on a plane? You get on, you go to your seat, you sit down, and what do you do? You put your full trust of your life into someone's hands that you don't know. Think about that. That's a little bit crazy. I don't know if they have the experience. I don't know what's happened in their life. I have no idea what's going on. I'm like, I hope they can get this thing off the ground. Now, since I don't fly a lot, I get a little nervous flying. Not a ton, but a little bit. And I sit there, my mind starts thinking, now, how did they design this plane so all this metal can get off the ground and do this? And all the people that are in this, this thing weighs thousands of pounds, and it's going to get up in the air. And I'm getting nervous and more nervous the more you think about it. And then when you're coming to the landing, I'm like, oh, Lord, do you all pray when you land? Am I the only one that does that? Come on now. 
Some of y'all, I'm praying, Lord, please let this be smooth. Please let it be smooth. Let it be smooth. Let it be smooth. Let it be smooth. Take care of us, Lord. Take care of us, Lord. Take care of us, Lord. The whole time, you know, and you, and you go slide in there. But that whole flight, we put our trust in the hands of a pilot who we don't even know, have never met. My suggestion to you today, your pilot, God Almighty, you can put your hands, your life in his hands to trust him with your life. We know him. If you are a Christian, you know the Lord, the God that we serve. We just have finished Easter season. We went through Palm Sunday where we talk about Jesus entering in. And then we go through the Good Friday where he gives his life. And we go through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And many times, what do we do? We move on to some other topic. But I want us to do for the next four weeks, today and the next three weeks, as I want us to look at a little bit more intently, I want us to look at this cross. I want to look at Jesus who died on a cross. And I want to say, because Jesus died on a cross, what does that mean for you and me? What does that mean for our lives? Because Jesus died on a cross, you and I can trust him. You and I can fully put our trust in Him. Now, we live in a world that is crazy. It is full of daily challenges. Do you agree? You stop and think about it with me for a minute. When's the next time we're going to turn on the news and spend another school shooting or a mass shooting at somebody's workplace? It happening regularly and over and over and over again. When's, when is the threat of nuclear bombs going to become real? Right now we hear all this threat of some nuclear bombs and when's that going to take place? Federal government issues. I don't care where you stand politically. I don't care if you love Trump or you hate Trump. I don't care if you are a Republican or a Democrat or independent or a whatever you want to call yourself. It doesn't matter. Our government issues are still there and they will continue to be there no matter who's in charge of the government, no matter who's running it, no matter who's leading it. They bubble up every single day. Murder on the news. Every single day you hear about murders. And right now, the rate of murder in Lexington is higher now this year than it was last year. Just in our own city. And take what's going on in our state with our teachers, with the pay and the retirement issues that are being fought out in Frankfurt. People are facing issues every single day. Now, I had another message planned for today. A whole other different way for us to look at the cross. And on Tuesday, I sat in our staff meeting, and I looked at our staff, and I said, I'm really leaning towards maybe doing something different because I feel like God is just impressing upon me that we need to hear a word of encouragement, a, a, a word of a call about trusting. And then on Wednesday, I, as I still was wrestling me the tw- between the two, the Spirit is like, talk to the church about trusting, pe- about trusting God. And by Thursday, it was just evident, I've got to talk about this topic of trust. I think we need to be encouraged to trust God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to cross to die for you and me. But here's what I'm seeing, church. I see this in the world, and I see it in the church. I observe it as you watch social media. I observe it in conversations. I observe it in the one-on-one discussions I have with people, is that we see what's going on in the world, and a lot of it, especially around this teacher issue, and here's what's happening. We're freaking out. We're acting like we don't even know that there's a God in our behavior. 
Because we're going into freak out mode going, oh no, what happens if that happens? What happens if I lose this? What happens? He's sick. She's sick. I lose my job. And we're acting like we don't even know that there's a Lord. Church, God's call is so clear and so strong to us And we have a great opportunity before us in an ever-changing world where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen later this afternoon. We don't know if our job will be there or not. We don't know if retirement's going to change or not. We don't know if we're going to pay decrease. We don't know if if the announcement's going to come that so-and-so has cancer or so-and-so is deathly ill. We don't know if our husband's going to walk out or our wife is going to walk out. We don't know if our kids are going to make some foolish choice that changes the direction of our lives forever. We don't know any of that. What we do know is that God sent his son Jesus to the cross and we can trust in a God like that. Are you all with me? See what happens is we go into freak out mode and we're telling people I don't know about this God thing. Here's what Proverbs 3 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with some of your heart, trust in the Lord with part of your heart. It doesn't say trust in the Lord when, you, when your heart feels like it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. John Patton, an 18th century Presbyterian missionary to Vanuta, had finished only a few verses of his translation of the Gospel of John when he ran into a problem. The phrase believe in, one of the Apostle John's favorite expressions, wouldn't come across in this new language. This cannibalistic people, the islands, had no concept of placing confidence or believing in another person. Their vocabulary actually lacked the word trust. As Patton puzzled over the problem at his desk, his indigenous servant entered into the room and Patton shifted forward in his chair and asked, what am I doing right now? Sitting at your desk, came the answer. And what about now? Patton asked as he rocked his weight backward in the chair and lifted both of his feet up off the floor. And the man's reply, Patton found his new term for trust, the indigenous word meaning to lean your whole weight upon. So first he leans forward in his chair. He's just sitting at your desk. He leans back in his chair, takes his feet off, and he says, what am I doing now? He says, well, you're leaning your whole weight upon. In other words, you're, you're trusting in that chair. Let me, let me illustrate this another way. I, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Probably a kid. I need a kid volunteer. Josiah, come on, will you be my volunteer? I won't embarrass you too bad. Come on. I won't make you talk or say anything crazy or nothing like that. Come on up here, Josiah. Now, did you and I talk ahead of time before church and plan any of this out? We didn't talk, did you? Okay, go ahead and turn around. Josiah wins the award for the best hair in church. <laughs> Look at this, man. He's a good-looking young man. Now, Josiah, all I need you to do is do what I tell you. That's it. All right? Can you do that? Do you trust me? Enough, hopefully. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn like this. All right? I want you to put your feet side by side. Just like that. Just put seat beside and lock your knees. All right. Now cross your arms over your chest like this. All right. Now close your eyes. All right. Now, I just want you to Josiah, when I say now, I just want you to fall backward. Don't unlock your knees, okay? And you're gonna trust I'm gonna catch you. You got this? You trust me? You do. You sh- are you sure about this? Do your mom and dad trust me? That's the question. <laughs> All right, you ready, Josiah? Go ahead, drop. Now, 
Oh, oh, oh. Oh, he showed some trust. Some trust. You weren't really sure, were you? Go ahead and let's try this again, Josiah. Come on. Now, keep your feet right where they are, okay? And trust that I'm going to catch you. I'm not going to let you crack your head. Not Listen, this is being recorded on that computer back there. And if something happens, your mom and dad have a lawsuit. So I'm not going to drop you. Trust me. All right? Go ahead and keep your arms crossed. You ready? Count of three. One, two, three, drop. Okay. All right. That's the idea of lean. All right? But it actually goes deeper than that. That's the idea is that, you know what? We have that full trust that I'm just here and I lean back and I say, God, you got it. God, you're in charge. That's what it's talking about here. Now, here's what I want you to do. We're going to do the same thing again. This time, though, when you drop, don't try to stand up. Just let me hold you. Okay? Cross your arms. Cross your arms. Feet together. All right? Go ahead and drop again. Go. Now, stay right there. Keep your feet there. This is more interpretive of the passage, though. Right now, if I were to let go, what's going to happen to this young man? Crash and burn, right? He's going to hurt himself, maybe. He's young. I would hurt myself if it was me. But if I let go, he surely is going to fall all the way to the ground. And right now, he's totally relaxed. He's trusting me. He's not holding himself up. I'm holding him up completely. This is the idea in this passage. We let go, and we truly trust God to carry us, to lift us up, and to carry us through whatever we're walking through. Thank you, Josiah. Give him a hand. All right. This passage in Scripture talks about trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Mine own understanding is, wait a minute, put a foot back. Wait a minute, is he there? Wait a minute, i got to check make sure it's all there. No, unfortunately, the exact opposite is what we tend to want to do. Instinctively, what we want to do, our natural reaction when facing unknown is to go online and look for information. Our natural instinction is to go talk to some other people, try to get an expert, try to figure the problem out on our own. Why? Because we have the need to increase our understanding because ultimately I want to be in control. You understand what I'm talking about? See, when we say, God, you're in control, we lean in and let him have it. But when we want to be in control, we try to find all the answers. See, to trust, is that, that lean idea, it's actually the opposite of being in control. Trust yields control to God. You're saying, I'm not in charge, God. You're in charge. And why do we try to increase our own understanding? Because control has become our God. Stop and think about it for a moment. When I have to be in control and I have to know everything, and instead of seeking safety in Him then control becomes my God. Leaning on God makes me feel so vulnerable and so unsure and so precarious. He's mysterious and his ways are not like ours. And trust me, I'm telling you this from a control freak. You all are just as soul as first service. I thought I'd get an amen on that. We want to be in control of life. And that's why we go searching, trying to figure out all the answers. How's this happening? How's that happening? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? And we want to be in control. Let me tell you the truth on this teacher situation that's going on. I have read several articles about it. I have talked to several people. I have followed the discussions on the different social media platforms. And to this day, there's still a lot of confusion, and I don't fully understand what's going on. And I would guess you probably don't understand it either. And there are so many caveats to what's happening in the situation. And so what's our answer? Instead of trying to be in control, lean in. Lean all your understanding upon Him and trust God. See, this is intense. It's a feeble and 
anemic idea to try to do it all by ourselves. The phrase, with all your heart, makes it personal and makes it all-consuming. All your heart, not part of it. In popular level Christianity, it's the difference between knowing in your head and having settled assurance in your heart. A settled assurance that, you know what? God's in charge. No matter what's going on in my life right now, if tomorrow the answer or there's announced, your wife has cancer. If tomorrow there's the ter terrible accident, if this week you're let go of your job, the, the assurance that, you know what, God's still in control. Will it be hard? Yep. Will it be difficult? Yep. Is it going to be scary? Yep. Is it going to be all of those things? But to have the assurance, you know what, God's got it. This intense personal leaning on God is, according to Proverbs, the epitome of wisdom. Now, tell me, what is the opposite of trust? What's the opposite of trust? Distrust, what would be another word for that? Worry. The opposite of trust is that you worry. How do you know if you're not trusting God? By how much you're worrying. If you're worrying, then you know you're not trusting. If you're concerned about, man, as soon as I get out of church, I got to do this, this, and this, this is going on. Or tomorrow at work, this, this, and this, and this is happening. And if that is stressing you out and it's weighing you down, then what's happening is you're worrying and you're not trusting God. And the scripture speaks very carefully and very directly the idea of worry. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 says, therefore... I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and a body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I love this passage of Scripture. It's a great image right now as we're in springtime and you see the birds are starting to chirp, chirp and, and sing and you see some nests that are being built and, and you stop and you look at a bird and every time I see a bird and you see it scurrying for some food and it's building its little home, taking care of the eggs that are going to be hatched and then eventually it's little babies, they're not worrying about and storing up and God tells us through this passage, through Jesus, tells us, listen, if the birds are being taken care of, you're so much more important than birds. Do you not think I'm going to take care of you? It's an amazing passage. You just look at springtime. Verse 27 says, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, all the splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I mean, he takes the imagery of what's going on. He says, Look at the birds. My father's taking care of those. Look at the flowers. Did you notice yesterday that the flowers had snow in the morning and by afternoon and the snow was gone? The grass was covered over with snow in some areas. By afternoon it was gone. The grass gets green every season. It goes dormant every season. The flowers die back every season. They start popping through the ground. And every season I look at my garden and I see flowers are coming up. And it reminds me God has it all in control. And Jesus says, man, if he takes care of the birds... He takes care of the flowers. He's taking care of the grass of the field. You are so much more important than that. He'll take care of you. What are you worrying about? What are you stressing about? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans running after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows, what you, knows that you need 
them. Do you know what a pagan is? A pagan is someone who is an unbeliever, who did not believe in Jesus. And he makes this comparison. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. The pagans are chasing after, oh, how am I going to eat? The pagan, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to take care of this? How am I going to take care of that? Oh, me. Oh, my. That's what the pagans do. Those who don't believe in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, when you act like that, you're acting just like a pagan. You're saying there's really no God. Stop and think on that for a moment. He compares worry to us acting just like the pagans. Church, we have a great opportunity before us. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He says, listen, chase after righteousness. Chase after the Father. Chase after Jesus. Chase after your walk with God. And let all this other stuff that's going on, let, let it be taken care of by God. Because we know that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, is what the scripture says. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And these issues that we see in this world, the Bible tells us they're not going to stop. They're going to continue as we approach closer and closer to one day when the Lord returns to take us all home. And so the wars and the rumor of wars and sickness and disease and all this stuff is going to continue. So what do we do, church? How do we live in this culture and not act like the culture? The Apostle Paul gives us the, 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 the answer to that when he addressed the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4 when he says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In this passage here, Paul gives us an equation or a math problem. You see it? He says in, in every situation, he says, don't worry. Stop your worrying. Stop being anxious in every situation by prayer and petition. What is that? Take your request to God. He says, with thanksgiving in your heart, you present those. And now, what do you do with that? Well, Here's my suggestion, and it's actually a, an exercise you can do this week in your growth guide. You sit down and you ask the Lord, Lord, show me things in my life to be thankful for. And you start making a list. God, what, do I, what am I thankful for? Well, I'm thankful I have a house to live in. I'm thankful I have a car to get me to work. It may not be the car you want, but it, it gets me to work. I'm thankful I have gasoline to put in the car. I'm thankful I have food in my refrigerator. I'm thankful I have clothes on my back. I'm thankful that I have a husband. I'm thankful I have a wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for my teachers. I'm, I'm thankful for paved roads. I'm thankful. You just start making a list of, of things you're thankful for. That's what Paul is telling us to do. He says, be thankful. And then he also says, present your request. In other words, there are some things that are weighing you down. There are some things that are making you anxious. There are some things that, worry, that you're worried about. So you make a list of those. God, what kind of things am I worrying about? Well, I'm worrying about this teacher situation. Yeah, it bothers me a lot. I'm worrying about our government and what's going on with our government. I'm worrying about the sickness I'm dealing with that's in my family. I'm worrying about my marriage and what's happening in my marriage. I'm, and you start putting all these kind of things down. And the Apostle Paul says, now here's the deal. Look at your thankful list and look at your other list of things you're worried about. And you present those requests to God. God, I'm thankful for this, but boy, I want to request your help in this situation. I'm thankful for this, but I want to request your help in this situation. I'm thankful for this, but Lord, please help me in this situation. Show me what the answers are to this. And now here's, when you do that, here's the, here's the result. 
In verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you're walking through the junk of life, but you say, God, I'm giving it to you, he says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, beyond our mind's understanding, will guard you. In other words, you will go through the junk of life, and you'll still have peace in your life. You'll go through the junk of life and you'll still have contentment going on in your life. You'll go through the junk of your life and people are going to look at you and say, how are you handling that right now? Because most people, their world will be crushing in maybe through the difficulty you're walking through. And church, we have an opportunity. I don't mean to draw in just on this teacher thing, but it's so prevalent right now. I've said this to some teachers, teachers and administrators in the school system. What an opportunity we have as Christians right now. What an opportunity to walk through a piece. I'm not telling you you don't stand up for what's right. I'm not telling you you don't stand up and speak your mind. But we can do it in a way that still demonstrates contentment and still demonstrates peace. So while other people around you are freaking out, going, oh, the sky is falling, they look at you and go, why, why are you peaceful right now? Well, because I know that God has us in control no matter what happens. We have an opportunity, church, in the school systems. We have opportunity in our workplaces. We have an opportunity when difficulties come that we, the church, draw some other people together and say, hey, let's pray about this situation. You know, teachers, you have an opportunity to bring prayer back to the schools. Now, you may not be able to announce it and proclaim it. If you said a couple of other teachers, hey, let's start meeting here at 6.15 a.m. and let's just pray for 10 or 15 minutes before our day starts about everything that's going on. Or let's hang around afterward and let's pray. You could bring prayer back in the schools just by having little prayer groups and praying about all the situations going on. Same in the government. You work in a government situation, whether you're working in Frankfurt, you're working in a government here in Lexington, you can bring prayer back to our government by being that person who grabs a color people together and say, hey, let's start praying about what's happening and not social media and what's happening and complaining about it, and grumbling about it, and fretting about it, and freaking out about it. Let's just start going to the Lord in prayer about these situations. You can be the person that brings prayer to your workplace. When things are in your workplace are going difficult, and they're going hard, and things are changing, for you to grab some other employees together and say, hey, let's make this a matter of prayer. What are we thankful for? What are we praying about? And watch the peace of God guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, from the wisdom of Solomon to the teachings of Jesus, to the Apostle Paul, the message is consistent. Trust and don't worry. Trust and don't worry. Part of the gospel message is that God delivers those who trust him. God's promise has, has always been, trust me and I will be there for you. A promise who he has held for, upheld for everyone who has ever lived, except for his own son, that is. To the Son, God said, trust me, and I'll utterly crush you. Trust me, and I'll take your life from you. Instead of receiving blessing, Jesus fell under God's curse. Instead of enjoying safety, he experienced utter destruction. The only person who ever trusted God perfectly was abandoned by him completely when he put his own son on the cross. Why would he do that? So that we would never be abandoned so that we can fully put our trust in him to understand that the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross covers us. See, at first glance, the call of Proverbs 3 is to lean wholly on God sounds a little risky until we stop and we remember the cross. We stop and remember what we celebrated last Easter. We stop and we remember that. And the gospel is where we gain full assurance that God is good to those who trust him. Proverbs asserts that it is wise to trust God. And the gospel then proves it. 
And only the gospel assures that God loves us enough to abandon his own son for you and me. Because of the cross. Only the gospel reassures us that when Jesus asks us to trust the Lord with all of our heart, he's not asking us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. Church, this is a message I think God just laid upon me to say in our culture today, we need Christians who will walk in faithfulness, who will walk in trust, who will believe in his promises that they truly are yes and they truly are an amen. Let's walk trusting the Lord in this crazy culture we live in.